John chapter 4, verse 27 to 45. And we're going to be finishing up Jesus' conversation with this woman at the well. It feels like it's been a while. We've done three weeks on this, but it's been really good. Um, so I'm going to read Matthew, or John chapter 4, verse 27 to 45. And we will pray and get into it. All right, ready? There? Yeah? Cool. John four twenty seven. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has someone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. That's awesome. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. After the two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet had no honor in his hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. That's the word of God. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word that is living. Like your word is actually alive and it has power and it's what the spirit uses. And so together right now, myself included, Jesus, we just place ourselves under the authority of your word. We want to see the beauty of your word. We, we ask and invite your spirit to speak to us, to, to use your word to give us life to restore our souls, to, to cut away anything that needs to go, to help us think more clearly about who you are, and specifically tonight about our calling and, and what you have called us to do, what you have like um, commissioned us to do as your followers. So Spirit, would, would um, you just make it really clear tonight who we are to be as we follow you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, um, one of the like truly most tragic aspects of humanity that we all experience is that we all have this like evil tendency to like want to like exclude people, right? Like it happens from like grade school on. Like my deepest sorrows of elementary school were when people were like, hey, no, I don't want to be your friend. You're not welcome in this group. It's like, 
why would you do this? It was, I remember fourth grade, I had a bunch of friends, everything, life was good, and uh, this new girl came to school, and I had a huge crush on her, and it was recess time, and in fourth grade, in my day, the boys would play basketball, and the girls would, like, be off in the field doing something, because I don't know what they did, but I was like, do you know what? I got to talk to this girl, and I, like the boys over here and the girls over there, like I'm going to have to break the code. And so I leave basketball and I go do the classic, like trying to, you don't like chat, like you like chase. Like I remember specifically, like I'm chasing her slash the girls, right? And it was like the best ever little, um, like whatever, wooing session. And I was like, this is good. This is going good. And I remember at the end of recess, all of my friends were literally on the basketball court and they were just making fun of me. They were like literally chanting, making fun of me and I was just utterly like ashamed. I was like, what have I done? Like here I am, I've been rejected by like my, the male like population and here I am with the girls. Um, at the time I was like, I don't know if this is worth it. It crushed me and it like stuck with me and it was like a rough couple of weeks till I had to like regain my manhood and be like, welcome back, right? But that's just how it goes. Like we as humans, um, have this weird thing of like excluding Cause, cause, because I think what it is is we have this positive thing of like, I want to be in. Like I want to be known and loved and welcomed. That's how God made us. But, but it gets twisted when it's like, okay, I'm in. And so now that I'm in, I want to like push out so that I feel secure. And, and that phenomenon that we do as humans has also uh, been a part of the church, sadly, historically. The, like, the world has felt that from the church. Like, hey, we're the church, we're Christians, and, like, and, and you aren't. And, and maybe that's not your heart, but the world has felt that from us. And then even the church has done that to, like, itself, right? Like, no, we are about this, and no, no, we are about this. Like, we just do this thing where we, we like, form our little groups, and we say, you are not welcome. And this is one of the things, one of the major things Jesus came to do was, was to fix that, like, hey, you are not welcome here. He, he came to like make that right. To the, one of the ways the Bible talks about it is he breaks down the dividing wall of hostility. First of all, between me and you and God, there's like a division there. And then also like between humanity. And so Jesus is about like, hey, how can I go get more people and bring them in? Not like, how can I push people out? And in fact, Jesus says, if you're, if you're not following me, this is heavy, but he says, you're already condemned. I came to save the world. Like people are out, but I came to bring them in. Like that is what Jesus is about. And that is what we as his followers are to be about. And so that's actually what Jesus is doing in John chapter four with this woman at the well. He specifically goes out of his way, goes to Samaria for this one woman. He said, I have to go there. And he is in the act of like bringing this woman to God. Like that is what is going on. And, and uh, the previous couple sermons on this. Jesus was talking with her about how he satisfies, how he's better. He's like a, he brings living water. And then he talks about what true worship is. And then this week we see she finally trusts Jesus and immediately she becomes like a missionary. Like immediately the first thing she does 
is she has this response to do the same thing Jesus did. Like, I'm, I have to go bring people in. I have to go tell people what Jesus has done for me. Like, that's her initial, like, this is, of course, Jesus did this for me, I'm going. And so as we study these verses, here's like what we're thinking about. We're getting insight into what it means to follow Jesus, specifically our calling to be on mission. Like, I'm a missionary. You are a missionary. If if you are following Jesus, that is part of your identity. That is simply who you are. Jesus said, I'm going to go. And then if you are his, then then we do the same thing. And so we're going to get six insights into what it is to be a missionary as we look at these verses. And the first insight is this. And I'm going to start with the good news because we need it. The first truth is seen in verse 34, but I'm going to say it first, is this. Jesus is the missionary. Jesus is the missionary. He says it in verse 34, my food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work, and that is to seek and save the lost. And here's why I want to start with good news, because uh, being on mission for Jesus is really hard. Like, maybe you're like uh, extremely gifted, anointed, holy person, and you tell, you've told three people about Jesus today, and you did the same thing yesterday, but that's not my experience for me, and for many people I know, it's just really hard. It's hard for me to like go evangelize and like, and like care and try and bring Jesus up in conversations where people don't love him or know him. For me, it's really intimidating and it's awkward and it's scary and I'm just afraid of what they're gonna think. And so I just don't really do it. And, and if, imagine this, imagine if we had, this would be the worst thing ever. This would be like the most horrible thing. If you had to come up here and say, and we all had to share the last time we shared the gospel with somebody, like, like what would you say? Could you, maybe by the grace of God, you're like, hey, yesterday, But for me, I'm like, I don't want you guys to know the last time. This is a struggle for me. Like, when was the last time you told somebody who's not walking with Jesus about Jesus? And now that's hard because most of us are not great at this. So this is why we start here. Jesus is the the great missionary. Be encouraged because there would be no hope for you or me or anyone if Jesus didn't come first and seek and save us. And the only reason you're a Christian is because Jesus left heaven and he came for you and he saved you and rescued you when you were his enemy. And so let's be encouraged. This is not like a job we do apart from God. Like Jesus is the missionary. Jesus is actually really on the move seeking and saving the lost like right now. I love the book of Acts starts and it's referring to Jesus and all the things he began to do because the point is, hey, Jesus is still moving and acting and saving and seeking people like me and you. And if Jesus wasn't the missionary, none of us would be saved. So just to be encouraged, Jesus is the missionary. Psalm 46 says, be still, know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. So let's just make our foundation. Jesus has got this. He's gonna save the world. He is saving the world. Um, We may be pretty relatively terrible missionaries, but Jesus isn't. He's a good one. And he is currently seeking the lost. 
And so let's be encouraged there. Let's rest in the, in the fact that he loves us, that he saved us in spite of us. And now let's, let's get some insight for how we are to follow him. So the second thing I would say is this. Jesus' mission is to all people. Look at verse 27. It's where we started, or just about, yeah. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with what? Anybody? A woman. They're like, what is he doing? He's talking with a woman. Well, thank God Jesus loves all people, including like 50% of the world, women, right? That was a big deal at that time. There was literally, Jews had writings that said, don't talk to women. I could have quoted these ridiculous ones. Like they said, you put your soul in danger if you talk to women. Don't waste your time. That was actually the culture at that time. And yet Jesus said, my mission is to all people. I'm willing to break the social and even religious codes, and I'm going to all people. And listen, this is true. There is a real anti-missionary heart in all of us. That's just part of the fall. There is an actual fallen part of you that is like, I don't want people to know. That's in us. That's in humanity. We saw it in Jonah. If you know the story of Jonah, God's like, listen, go tell the city. It's like, was it 120,000 or something? 200,000? I don't know. A lot of people about me. And Jonah's like, why? You're merciful. You're going to save him. Well, I don't want to. And he's out. He actually, but here's the thing. I felt that. I'm like Jonah. I've had days where I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go tell people about you. And I don't. We have this anti-missionary heart. The disciples came and their first reaction was like, why is he talking with a woman? They're not thinking, oh, awesome. Maybe Jesus is saving her. Their thought is, why is he wasting his time with a woman? And that's just in us as humans. First, there's this evil fallen thing in our flesh that resists telling people about Jesus. And it, it may be for gender, maybe for some of us, probably more common is for their religion or their ethnicity. That was also this woman. She was a Samaritan, which they were rejected um, like eth- eth- for their ethnicity and also for how they worshiped. We probably maybe tend to do the same. Like, you know, whatever culture or people group, may, like, like honestly, in CART, there's like a huge Hispanic group and like, are we, are we overlooking them? Are we caring about them? Or are we like, oh, I'm white. I just talk to white people. Like, is that in you? Is that an actual thing? Like, I am resistant to engage the world because of their ethnicity or because of their religion or because of, honestly, maybe it's their sexual orientation. Maybe it's their moral failure, which was also this woman. She had five husbands, and then she was living with a sixth guy. And so the disciples knew, hey, she's here at the middle of the day. This is a small town. People would have rejected her. Is, that any, is there any part of my heart we have to ask that, like, I just look down on whatever type or group or action of people there are? You know, maybe for us, we're, we're like younger. Maybe we just hate like older conservative people. We're like, oh, I hate those people. They're idiots. Well, like Jesus loves them too. Did you know that? Like who is it in your heart that you tend to just write off before you even get to know them? Because Jesus' mission is to all people. And praise God, it was to people like you and me who have failed morally, who haven't sought him, who have blown it. And Jesus left heaven to save people like you and me and this woman at the well. And he's still concerned for all nations, all people, all political groups, all ages. 
And so thank God that Jesus' mission is to all people. Number three, here's what we should notice about being on mission is that Jesus makes missionaries. He makes, he's the greatest missionary, but then what he does is he makes missionaries. Look at verse 28. It says, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? This woman, the moment her eyes were opened that this was the Messiah, is her initial reaction is I have to go tell people. And, and as we experience God's love, there is something that happens where like our heart expands and we long for others to share. And, and this is like the thing Jesus told us to do. Great commission, Matthew 28. Hey, go into all the nations, make disciples. Like that is the job to be rescued by Jesus and then to go and tell others about him. And remember, Jesus said, I have food. This is like my food is to do what God has called me, to be on mission. As mission was Jesus' food, that should be our food. Like, can you say that? My food is to do the will of God and share the gospel. Like that's literally, it's like my bread and butter. It's what I get up for in the morning. It's what I'm excited about. It's when I go to bed at night. I am so thankful I got to be on mission for Jesus. And I want to confess that's often not my like, what I think about and what dictates my day. And if, and if I were to be honest, and I've, maybe this is in you as well, um, I have times where I come to church and I seek God's presence and I, and I try and read the word of God and I'm like really pursuing Jesus and like something's not really clicking. I don't know if that's ever happened with you. Like you're doing the things. Like I'm going to church. I'm going on Friday night. I'm reading my Bible. I'm doing, I'm doing things people aren't even doing. I'm trying to pursue the Lord. And like, why aren't I flourishing? What is wrong here? And maybe could it be you're not getting your essential food, which is being on mission for Jesus? Could it be you're not getting the food that your soul needs to like go and bear fruit and obey God's commandments to make disciples? You've probably heard this. You know about the Dead Sea? It's like a huge, it's, we have one in California, the Salton Sea. It's full and nothing lives in it except for like a few random weird animals. But like no fish, nothing survives in the Dead Sea, the Salton Sea. Why is that? It has a constant inflow, but it has no outflow. And so it's just this giant pool of like receiving and never giving and it's dead because there's nowhere for anything to go. And our souls are like that. When even if you were just read the Bible all day long and seek God, if you did not bear fruit for him, you're going to be like the stinky Dead Sea. Like you will not flourish. Could it be that our souls aren't alive? Even when you read the book of Acts and you're like, wow, why, why aren't there the same amount of miracles? Why don't I see the presence of God? Why, does, why aren't there earthquakes when I pray to God? Well, these people were on mission and they were being persecuted and suffering and dying, making disciples. And could it be that when we simply make our whole Christian life about what's the next conference and the next church service and the next quiet time, and that is all that I do, could it be that our souls need more food to actually go and make disciples? And I just want to encourage us um, at this moment, we share what we love. That is simply just the way God has made us as humans. Uh, One of the best ways we love people is just to share 
what we love. Um, my, I had these two grandparents. They're these little Mexican grandparents. They're some of the dearest people to me. Um, and uh, I was just processing the other day because we just had a kid. I'm like, oh, my parents are grandparents. This is crazy. Um, and I was realizing, do you know what the difference between a good grandparent is and a bad grandparent? I figured it out. You have to go visit bad grandparents. Good grandparents come and visit you. That's literally it, right? We've all had the like, I got to go visit grandma and grandpa. And it's like, I don't want to. Their house is weird. There's no toys there. This is lame. I have to leave my life to them. But good grandparents are like, hey, I'm coming over. I'm getting in your toys. I'm playing with you. I'm a part of your life. That's, I just, I think it's true. When I'm a grandparent, I want to remember, good grandparents engage in your life. That's literally the most random side note. But here's why I say this. I had good grandparents, and they were there the day I was born. They, I probably had dinner with them two or three times a week my whole life. And so when I went to spend you know, the night at their house, it wasn't weird. It was like, these are basically my parents, except they don't punish me. I love my grandparents. Like, I love my grandparents. And my grandparents shared with me to the, probably the two things I love most came through my grandparents who love me. Number one, my grandparents shared with me music from like day one. And they taught me the piano when I was three years old. And like, they love music and they brought me in and they're like, hey, here, listen to Ray Charles. Here, listen to, and I was like, and I just, I learned to love music because my grandparents love music and they love me and they just shared it with me. And then my second love is food. And I, if, if you know me, I tend to just, I'm, I move quick. I think I have ADHD. I eat quick. And my, I would just eat food with my grandparents. And they're like, hey, slow down. Close your eyes. Chew really slow and enjoy the food. And I was like, and I tried it. And it was, it was really good. And my grandparents taught me how to enjoy a meal. And I don't know if I can credit, but like, I love food like a lot. And I love music a lot. And my grandparents who loved me got involved in my life and said, let me just share with you what I love. And I think it's the same thing with Jesus. Like, do I even, do I even really love him? Is this, so I think the root is, do I love him? Do I enjoy him myself? Because if I do, when I abide in him, I can't help but go and share him with others. I, you know, I just had a son and I literally have already been like, hey, listen to this. Hey, listen to this. Hey, here, this is hip hop. Hey, this is country. Hey, this is, and I'm like, is he getting it? Like, I, and you know what? He's not getting it and I don't care. I'm just going to keep doing it. I love sharing with my son. And I think it's the same thing. Jesus, help me to love you more and then give me that heart for the world that I would want to just simply share with them what I love. So the third truth is Jesus makes missionaries. Number four, the fourth truth on mission we see is this. Jesus' mission becomes more important than our mission. And we see it in verse 28. Look at what it says. So the woman left her water jar and went to tell people about Jesus. Okay, that's actually profound. She left her water jar. Like, she had a job to do that day. She was in the middle of something. She was getting water because she needed to live. And she simply said, I have to leave this. I have something more important than even drinking water. I have to tell people about Jesus. And she went and told people about Jesus. And I just want to ask you, what are your water jars that you're like, no, I gotta get water. I mean, it would be reasonable for her to say, Jesus, can I bring my water jar home and then I'll share that's reasonable, right? But she was so compelled by the love of God. She was like, I have to leave my water jar and go tell people. And I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. 
personally, I just want to get my groceries and not like get to know the person at, who's ringing me up. I personally just want my coffee. I, maybe you are, I hope you're a better human than me. I just want my coffee. I don't want really to know about this person and their day. I just want my coffee and I'm sleepy. Like I have busy things to do in my life. I have many water jars that I need to attend to. And I simply, you guys, I miss opportunity after opportunity after opportunity because I and my mission and my needs and my sustenance is just more important to me than what Jesus wants for me. And, And I'm just confessing that to you because as I was reading this, I'm like, Jesus, I repent. Help me see your mission as even more important than like water. Help me to, to, to see that it's okay to just set this thing aside for a few minutes and engage this person in my life with Jesus. Like, I go to the same grocery store. I go to the same coffee shop. Maybe I can spend 10 seconds and get to know this person and pray for them and get to know them. Maybe my neighbors, who, like, who I see every day, like, maybe I could just stop taking my trash out for a few minutes and engage with them. And I know in my heart, I'm just simply too busy, right? I know as many of you guys are in college. I remember feeling, hey, I'll get to that one day. Right now, it's finals week and I just, I'm busy. And I just have to tell you, life doesn't slow down. It actually doesn't. I know that seems crazy, but finals week just turns into like work where you're exhausted all day and you go home and you're like, I just need to eat and fall and collapse and and just survive. And then I just had a kid. I'm like, What has happened, life is just moving quicker and quicker. It doesn't slow down. And our mission has to become less important than Jesus' mission. It's not wrong to get water. It's not wrong to do what we need to do. But maybe we could see that Jesus' mission is even more important than what we have to do. And again, I just want to say, maybe you feel, hey, I'm just surviving. I'm just trying to love Jesus. I'm just surviving right now. I'm just hanging in there. I want to remind us of this truth that that mission, being on mission for Jesus actually fills your cup. Like it actually fills you up because you need strength from the Holy Spirit. And to be in need of the Spirit and to be walking with the Spirit and to be bearing fruit is far better than to just survive in life. And so I wanna encourage you, man, maybe you feel like I'm just surviving. Maybe you're like the Dead Sea and maybe you need to go bear a fruit and to think outward and maybe you'll find more life. Maybe you'll find more life as you seek to like, Jesus, help me care about your mission. Help me care about the world. I want them to know about you. I just want to close this point with um, Paul had the heart. He, he, by the grace of God, had this heart that loved the lost. And in Romans 9, verses 1 to 3, He's, he says something so radical. I'm just going to read it for you. He even starts by saying, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. So three times he's like, I promise you, I'm telling you the truth. He says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Why, why Paul? What are you saying? For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He's saying, I have unceasing anguish for the lost. And I am not lying. I would, I, if I could trade in my salvation for their salvation, I would do it. That's what Paul said. And I just have to confess, I'm not, I'm not there yet. My heart is busy with my stuff. And just, I was so convicted 
studying this, and I have brought it before the Lord. Lord, help give me the heart of Paul where I actually have sorrow and unceasing anguish for the world. Like, like that's, that's a good thing. God, help me care that much that I could say I would trade in my salvation for the world that they would know Jesus. God, would you give us that heart? Number, number five is this. Two more. This is really good. Our shame and our history and our past sin cannot stop Jesus' mission. Hear that. Remember this woman and who she was and what she did. And she lived in a small town and everybody knew her business. Everybody knew like the very, I mean, picture your life and your history and your sin. Picture the worst stuff that you're like, if, man, if people knew that. This woman was living in a town where people knew who she was and what she did. And I, I just want to say this. One of Satan's greatest tools to keep you from being on mission is shame over your past. That's true. One of Satan's greatest tools to, from, to keep you from being effective is shame over your past. He's called the accuser of the brethren and all he does 24-7 is just lob shame and guilt at you. That's what he does full time. And, and here's what I love. She went anyways and she still told the very people who knew all her business. And what did she even say? She didn't say, guys, come hear about how I'm amazing and I'm changed and I'm better. She says the opposite. She's like, come hear the guy who told me everything I ever did. She like, her testimony is like, hey, I am full of sin. Come see the guy who told me about it because there's hope in Jesus. She didn't feel like I need to clean myself up, get my act together, get my testimony nice and polished and then tell everybody. She literally said, come hear the guy who told me everything I ever did. Like number one, they knew what she did. They, and she's not like, and she's literally saying, look at my past and it's worth it. Jesus can overcome your shame. And she went and the people responded. And I just have to say, your testimony is powerful. The fact that you were a rebel of God and that Jesus saved you anyways is powerful. That's more powerful than, hey, look at me and how I'm awesome. Can I tell you about Jesus? It's actually the opposite. Hey, I was so far from God and Jesus loved me anyways. Do you want to meet him? And do you see how that's like good news to the world? Because they're like, they're so tired of hearing, hey, you're wrong and you're in sin. And you, like, imagine if they heard, hey, I was just like you. In fact, I was probably worse than you. And yet I met this guy named Jesus. Can I tell you about him? They're like, wait, there's hope? Imagine this town. There's hope for this woman. That's probably literally what they're thinking. If there was hope for this woman, there's hope for me. I only had three husbands. She had five husbands. There's hope for me. You guys, your past and your shame, don't feel like I need to cover it up and make it better and nobody ever needs to know about my issues. I just need to get my act together so I can be effective for Jesus. The very fact that you are far from God and yet he loved you anyways, that's your testimony. I was in my sin. I was a rebel of God. When I was in my sin, Christ died for me. I didn't earn it. I didn't seek him. I didn't deserve it. He simply pursued me like he did this woman in the middle of my sin and said, I love you. 
and I have hope for you, and I can forgive you, and I want to give you true satisfaction and true life, and my sin, my, my blood can overcome and atone for and cleanse you from all of your sin. Man, it, if anybody was ashamed of her testimony, it was this woman, and yet she went. And then point number six is right on the heels of that, is this. Jesus' mission is a successful mission. I just love that. Uh, verse 30, it says right there, they went out of town and were coming to him. That was their testimony. Guys, come here. Jesus, he told me everything I ever did. They're like, okay. This is literally what happened. And then verse 35, look what Jesus says to the disciples. He says, uh, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. Jesus' point is, hey, people are ready. The world is ready. The fields are, I don't know much about harvest, but I think white means it's time to pick it. It's good. It's ready to go. Jesus is saying the very people that you're embarrassed to talk to, the very people you're like, man, they're so far from God. They're never, he's saying they're actually ready to hear the good news. They are ready. And what if we had the courage of this woman? Do you think maybe other people would come to Jesus also. I'll, I'll confess to you guys, probably the number one reason I don't do it is because I think it's not going to work. That's honestly my heart. Now nah, they're never going to believe. They're, they're not, they've just, you know, and listen, I feel like we hear too much of how the world's just so off and lost. There's no hope for them. Like Jesus says, it's the opposite. They are ready. The fields are white they are ready. They are desiring me. They're ready to go simply share me with them. That's what Jesus said. He did say, yeah, some are going to hate you. Some are not going to listen. But he also said the harvest. Look, he says, look, verse 35, look, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. Okay, stop, pause, think of your daily, the, what you do every day. And then imagine if you just paused and looked up and looked around. Jesus saying, stop, look, these people are ready for you. They're ready to hear about Jesus. That is true for you. Like, look, who are, I mean, let's be really practical right now. Who are you not seeing? Like, who in your life is this woman at the well? You're like, there's no way. There's no hope. Or I just, I look down on them and I'm going to notice them. Who in your life are you missing? Are you not seeing? Friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, professors, like, who is it? Look, who is it? And I even, I want to be uh, like a little bit challenging. What if you actually like, actually like wrote some names down in your life, like tonight? Like, Jesus, I see these people and I trust that you are able to save them. You are the missionary. You are able to save them. And I want to go and I want to share Simply what you've done in my life. That's what she shared. Listen, look at what Jesus did for me. I was lost, now I'm found. Who are you missing? Who are you not seeing? And then um, maybe the other thing really practically is, Jesus, where am I, where am I just busy? Where, where am I just, I gotta get my water jar filled. Maybe that's worth asking Jesus as well. Jesus, what is in the way for me? What, what is too important for me that I'm not willing? For me, a big one's pride. I just don't want people to think I'm dumb or I'm crazy. That's like, that's, that's wrong. Maybe what is it for you? Ask the Lord, Lord, what is getting in the way? What is it in my heart that is getting in the way of me being effective for, for you? Um, as we worship, I, I legitimately, even just like a note on your phone, 
want to encourage you, okay, Jesus, who am I missing? And number two, what, what, is, what am I too busy with? What's my water jar? Where, am I, where do I need to set aside for you? I just want to encourage all of us. I'm going to do it. I need to do this to say, Jesus, I, I want to follow you. You're worth it. There's more life in following you and in seeking you and being on mission for you. And then as we go to worship, um, we're going to have uh, a prayer team up here, just really wise people who can pray for you if you need that. Um, I just want to also encourage you to minister to one another and pray for one another. You have the Spirit of God. Um, maybe some of you guys have shame in your life right now, and you're like, hey, this thing is too big, and so therefore, I cannot be on mission for Jesus. Let me encourage you, confess that. Confess your sins, and you will be healed. Like tonight, maybe confess your sin to the prayer team, to somebody you're with, and remember the gospel. Remember, you are not too far gone. This woman was not too far gone. You can be an effective tool because I was in sin, and yet Jesus loved me and saved me. That's, you can share that even now. Um, we're going to have communion up here, I think. Do we? Yep, it's up here. Oh, there it is. Um, to remember what Jesus has done for us. And then um, let's just ask the Lord to like lovingly convict where we need to be convicted, lovingly encourage us, point us to Jesus where we need to be pointed to. And like I would just, uh, my prayer is that we, this room right here, would leave tonight more effective for Jesus, more on mission, more nourished because we're doing what Jesus has called us to do. Let me pray. Jesus, and I'm just so thankful that you are the missionary, that there was no hope for me. I didn't get my act together. I didn't go find you. You came and found me, Jesus. And you loved me. You pointed out where I was off and then you, you gave me uh, your blood that you shed for my sin. And then you said, son, now walk with me and let's, let's, go, let's go do this with other people. Jesus, thank you that you are a good father and, and you love bringing your kids into what you love. God, you love, you love the world. And your heart is that none should perish and that all would come to a saving knowledge of the truth. And you are at work right now, Jesus. And thank you that you have invited your children in. Thank you, you've invited us in. We're clearly not as effective and we bumble and we're like little kids, but, but you've invited us in because you love us and you love bringing us into what you love. And so Jesus, would, would first our love for you grow and then would we do the same? Would we just share with others what we love and who we love? There's a God in heaven who loves us in spite of our sin, who left heaven, who humbled himself, who died on a cross, who bore our sins and our shame on his body and then rose from the dead and is seated on the throne and is ruling and reigning, has filled us with the very spirit of God to make us effective. Would we be on mission for you, Jesus? Holy Spirit, I pray you would lead any of us in shame out of darkness and into the light, that we would believe there is hope for us, that you're not done with us, that you love us and you want to use us. God, if there's others like me who are just too busy or just simply just doesn't really feel love for the world, would you give us the heart of Paul? Would you give us like a holy anguish tonight? A holy anguish for the world, for the nations 
and for our neighbors. God, I say, please pour out your spirit and give us a holy love and even an unceasing anguish that the world would know you. God, would we learn to even just simply weep for the lost? Would we care for the lost the way you do? That is why you came to seek and save the lost. And such were us. And you're still on mission, Jesus. Make us effective for you. Would you just meet with us now as we seek your face?